Well, good morning, Overflow. How you doing this morning? Come on, somebody. You can do better than that. How you doing this morning? Hey, man, we're excited. If this is your first time here, uh, my name is Elijah. I have the privilege of uh, getting to uh, be the pastor of Overflow Church along with an amazing team. I just want to say thank you so much. We've been excited about this day that we've been calling the big day. It's the start of a new series that we're entitling The Good Life. And uh, how, how many want to live a good life in here? Amen. And so, man, we're, we're super excited. So this earlier this morning, uh, we uh, opened it up to baptism. I think we had about four people uh, get baptized this morning. Somebody uh, felt like the Lord was moving on their heart and they got baptized. Yeah, you can clap for that. He was like, y'all were like, All right, is baptism good? I don't know. It's... <laughs> so um, they got baptized. And, and so, man, if God is speaking through you uh, in this service and if that's something that you want to do, hey, we got clothes, uh, we got towels. Um, man, we, we are ready for you because we just want to open up space and make room, just like the song said, for what God uh, wants to do. Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Uh, Mark chapter 10 verses 17 through 22, and it is our tradition here at Overflow to stand for the reading of God's word. And so if you would stand with me, uh, if you got it, say, I got it. Nobody was, I didn't hear any, any pages turning. If you don't have it, it's all right, it's on the screen. So Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Uh, this is what the word of the Lord says. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You should not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and my mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. One other verse for you, John 10 Verse 10, and it's going to be the anchor verse uh, for our whole series entitled The Good Life. And this is what it says. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, and I, but I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. Or in the ESV version, the Elijah Shemenda version, <laughs> that you would have a good life. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Okay, so you guys must not know it. Okay, I'll say it again. Uh, can we put that up for our folks here? This is the word of the Lord. There you go. There you go. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these moments that we have to share. I pray now, Lord, that you would speak, that your presence would lead us, that you would stir up in our hearts what is true, uh, what, is, what is good, and what is always pointed towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, would, would you do me a favor as you are 
grabbing your seats this morning, uh, would you close your eyes for me just for a quick second? And I, I want you to imagine uh, what comes, I want you to start to imagine and think about what comes to mind when I say the words good life. I want you to imagine that. What is the thing that comes to mind? Is it money? Is it cars? Is it a, a big house? Is family there? Uh, for some of you, family may not be there, and that means that you're having a good life. You know, who knows? Uh, what, comes, what comes to mind? Would you open your eyes for me real quick? I brought in uh, my hammock. This is, this is mine personally from my house because this is what I think about when I think about a good life. This right here. Uh, I think that I am on an island uh, with so many vowels and so many consonants you don't even know how to say it. Uh, between two palm trees and connected to it is this hammock. I, I was going to jump into it as an illustration, but I just don't happen to have the two muscles in my stomach area that could get me out of it. So, like, I, I decided to kind of, like, you know, uh, be on the side. But, but I was, I, I think about just, just laying in my, in my hammock and as the, as the, the air uh, just gently rocks me to sleep. I got a matching uh, tropical outfit on, you know, white sandy beaches, crystal clear water that you can see all the way to the ground, and I'm just relaxing, and to me, that is the good life. How many people, as I was describing that, started picturing that a little bit, right? You were just like, yeah, I could, I could do that. I could, I could be there. Man, we, we think about those ideas of, like, what is a good life? What is a life that, that is so filled with, with richness and fullness that, that we are happy? And a lot of times, if we have to be honest, uh, we don't think that we can attain it. We hope to attain it. We work to attain it. But we, we usually cast those things like, hey, you know what? who has uh, that kind of lifestyle? Celebrities or, or maybe stars. I just saw the, the other day that the Yankees are, uh, were struggling to pay Aaron Judge, a uh, baseball player, $500 million. That's half a billion, y'all. I just want $5. $500 million. And, and this was the, the crazy thing about it. The ESPN announcer said, if the Yankees won't pay it, somebody else will. $500 million. What, what can you do there? Do with that? Like you can get houses and, and cars and, 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 and you can travel and you, you just live this, this beautiful life. But, but here's the truth of what we know. Money cannot buy you happiness. It doesn't provide the type of good life that we all think sometimes uh, that it will. D did you know, did you know that two years after the average NFL player comes out, actually above average, 78% of NFL players, that they, are, they file for bankruptcy. 78%. That, that they're going through joblessness and divorce. 78%. Tom Brady, Michigan's finest. Uh, some would call him the GOAT. I would say he's okay. Uh, <laughs> Tom Brady uh, retired uh, last year for like two days, and he signed a contract with Fox Sports 
for 10 years, $375 million. To sit on TV for two hours and say, that guy threw the ball to that guy. It would seem from everything on the outside, Tom Brady is living a good life. But when you dig deep, right, his life seems to be falling apart right in front of him. It doesn't seem like he's, he's too happy. See, there's something, something that is missing. Have you, have you ever felt like something was missing? Have you ever felt like something was missing in your life that you needed something more to feel fulfilled? It seems as though this is the situation that uh, John Mark, uh, a disciple, is writing about in the book here in uh, the book of Mark. John Mark is, is the author of this book, and he, he tells us and introduces us to this uh, young kid uh, that we have affectionately nicknamed the rich young ruler. We find in Matthew that he's been talked about before. Matthew describes him as, as being young. Luke describes him as being someone who has power and a ruler. So, so Mark just says, he's the rich young ruler. It's not rocket science. We find Mark introducing us to, to this, this character as Jesus is along his journey. Here, as we enter into the text, Jesus is fresh from Capernaum in the region of Judea, in the area east of the Jordan River, and Jesus starts heading up north towards Jerusalem. Now, what you have to understand that in the book of Mark, uh, what's happening here is that this book, is, the author's trying to do two things. The author's trying to give you this picture that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the promised one that was set to come and save the whole world. That's, that's one of the big ideas that's in this text. The, the second one is that if you continue reading through Mark, it's that everything is pushing towards Jerusalem. Everything that Jesus is doing is going towards Jerusalem. The reason why is because when he gets to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to face death, uh, the cross, and the grave. And so Mark wants to, to get us this picture. And along this journey, it seems like this young man interrupts Jesus with a question. Can you see his face? It, it seems as though this person who has everything has lost confidence in his eyes. He is looking for assurance that the life he is living is right. I mean, why, why wouldn't it be? He's got money. He's got power. He's got status. I can imagine that this young man, uh, as, he, he, as he comes to Jesus, believes that he has been living a good life. But the only thing is that there's something wrong. Something is missing, and it seems from the way that his passage is written that he is looking for this rabbi named Jesus to answer his question. What an interesting place uh, we find Jesus and this rich young ruler in. Like, like just juxtapose the two. By every stretch of the imagination, this, this kid's got it together. He's young, but he's already considered wealthy, and he's got power, Right? He's young, but, but he's got status. And, and as we go on in the text, he is somebody who follows the law. And here comes this, this rabbi. The scriptures would tell us that he has no place to lay his head. Right? The Bible would tell us that, that when you looked at Jesus, he didn't look like a person that you would say, hey, that's a king. 
He didn't look like somebody that was worthy of being followed. Yet, this person who's got stuff and status and power can recognize in Jesus that he has something that I don't have. And he goes and he asks Jesus, good teacher, how can I have eternal life? What an interesting question he asks. Jesus says, you, you know the commandments. And he quotes the, six, the uh, six of the ten commandments, starting with five all the way through ten. And the boy says, hey, hey, I've done that. <laughs> Jesus says to him, that's good, but I'm not done. Sell everything and come and follow me. The young ruler's face falls and he walks away. I've read this passage so many times, and the question always comes up to me, why does he walk away? What is causing this young man so much trouble? What is he missing? I would like to argue uh, that a good life is a life infused with peace. That a good life is actually a life infused with peace. Now, now hear me out. I am not saying that a, a good life is one that doesn't have trouble. That is not what I said. I am not saying that a good life is one that is, that is without restless moments or without chaos. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that a good life is a life that is infused with peace. This young man was wealthy, healthy, and strong. And according to the law, he was considered perfect. But yet there was a restlessness in his soul. He knew with everything that he had, something was missing. It wasn't enough. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where it's like you're in the season where it doesn't seem like nothing's going wrong? Like you, you kind of have your life together, right? There's, there's food on the table. The roof's not burning. You got it together for the most part. But no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, it, it feels like there's something missing inside of you. This young man cries out, Jesus, teacher. One translation says, master. It's not enough. I need help. I want peace. What, what do you do when when your whole life becomes this endless chasing for a type of happiness that you have formulated in your mind only to find out there is no peace in what you are searching for. Is it money? A power? A sex? Mental health? Family? Friendships? Possession? Status? This endless chase that leaves us in a state that transforms us, transforms us into human doings instead of human beings. When we be become human doings, we, we run to Jesus. If you're, if you're a Christian and if you're not, you run to things or, or relationships. And you ask the question, what can I do? Emphasis on the I. What, what can I do? How can I pick up more stuff? How can I, I, can, how can I do more things? How can I uh, work harder? Because all I want to fill the void that is in my soul. When we live as human beings, what we ask Jesus, who ha we ask Jesus who has created us, this question, how can I be? How can I be in the world to glorify you, Jesus? 
how, how can I live out my purpose for you, Jesus? How can I come to flourish as a full person through you, Jesus? For, for this young man, the reality is, is that he had lived a life of doing. He had followed the law perfectly, the scriptures tell us, yet he was still missing something. He understood what was taking place in his heart. And as Jesus called him to greater, all he could do is walk away. New Testament scholar uh, Morena Hooker writes this. She says that in spite of this man's awareness that obedience to the Torah alone was inadequate, he is nevertheless approaching religion from, from the same uh, viewpoint as the Pharisees asking, how much need I do? His obedience is based on calculations of self-interest rather than on the single-hearted love of God, which is uh, prepared to fling everything away. Jesus simply says to him, come, follow me. A question that those before him uh, who were really looking for inner peace, who were really looking for for a good life uh, gravitated to. Like, like, think about this. this. This young man has everything, but, but Jesus, who, who has no place to lay his head, has, has a bunch of uh, rough people around him. He has text collectors, which are traitors to their own people. He's got Peter, who, uh, who is quick to cuss somebody out. And if you go crazy, he'll put out a sword and cut your ear off. Like, th- these are the people that, that Jesus has around him. And he says, come, come follow this. And you, could you imagine the audacity uh, to this, this young man with status as Jesus invites him to that? I, th- I thought you had what I was looking for, Jesus. But see, for, for those men, for those people which were around Jesus, it, it was nothing for them. They literally dropped everything they had and they started walking and following Jesus. Because they saw in Jesus something that was full of peace. Something that could fulfill their life. Paul says it like this. You you know Paul. His name was formerly Saul. uh, who was persecuting Christians who thought he had it all together. Scripture describes Paul like this. He was a, uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised on the third day. He was, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. If you don't know anything, any of that, what that means, basically what he was saying is, I'm an important person. I got a name. People know about me places. And he has an encounter with Jesus. And he realizes there is no peace for his soul. The life that is living is filled with destruction and pain. And what does he do? He turns everything aside, and he follows Jesus. This is what Paul says. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. A life uh, it doesn't matter if it's surrounded by stuff. It doesn't matter if it's surrounded by things. If it has no peace, it is not a good life. We see superstars all the time who are struggling with all the stuff, but with, they got all the things. They can fly anywhere they want, but they have no peace. 
What if I told you that this young man's response to Jesus when he told him to give it all up was not because of the many possessions he had, but it was because the possessions had him. A good life is a life that is willing to let go. To let go of control, to let go of power, to let go of fear, to let go of yesterday, to let go of the stuff. See, I am convinced more than ever that in the West that, that we are supposed to own property, but property really does own us. That we value the wrong things. John Mark Comer, a pastor from uh, Portland, Oregon, wrote this. He says, we live in a nagging sense that, um, with a nagging sense that we never have enough. Enough time in the day or money in the bank. We feel torn in multiple directions, tired of low-grade fatigue, behind on everything, beset by constant distraction. We all know the cliche that the most important things in life aren't things is true. Yet, time and time again, we fall for the advertising ploy. Is there a practice from the way of Jesus that could set our heart free from what Jesus called the deceitfulness of wealth? The false promise that money and stuff gives us security and satisfaction. To get free from the endless cycle of desire and find contentment in margin and life in the kingdom with Jesus. Jesus looks at this young man with love in his eyes. And he says, you lack one thing. Go sell everything. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will find treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. See, see, if you're following along here, Jesus is not saying wealth is bad. He's not saying money is a bad thing, but he's saying what is capturing your heart? What has uh, your, your mind tangled? What are you actually following? Are you, are you following things that will simply fade away? That will be here today and gone tomorrow? There's a brokenness in that that we all know. There's a toil in that that we know is fruitless. And it leaves us empty and devoid of joy and peace and happiness. We, we know the people which will struggle and toil and fight for a little uh, increment of peace to have more time with their family. But yet their family is right in front of them. What is it that we are seeking? You see, uh, Jesus loves us enough to let us know that the good life is not more stuff to accumulate. It's not legalistic behavior to ensure security in the eyes of God. It is simply letting go and letting God. It is trusting God that he has a plan for you and your future. It is allowing God to shape our lives by following the one who created us and intended good for his creation. That's all right. I'm talking better than y'all listening. All right. It is trusting the one who restricted himself in the form of his own creation. The Bible says he came down and he put on flesh. It is trusting the one uh, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, and laid in a borrowed tomb for three days. 
taking, taking with him uh, to the grave your sin and my sin. Uh, scripture tells us that he died till death had died. All right, overflow. I'll preach all by myself. Uh, uh, that, that on the, the first day, as the day passed, Satan and his hordes celebrated believing that they had won the battle. Uh, on the second day, uh, the Roman guard stood uh, straight and proud uh, and tall, trusting that the empire's might had overcome. But early Sunday morning, all heaven stood to eager anticipation. Early Sunday morning, before the sun pierced the sky, the sun pierced the sky. Oh, okay, okay. I, I don't think y'all heard me. I said before the sun, as she went, pierced the sky, the sun, as so went, pierced the sky. Early Sunday morning, Satan's hordes realized and underestimated that the king of glory had all power and authority in his hands. Early Sunday morning, the stone could no longer contain the greatness that was behind the grave, and it decided just to roll away. And Jesus rose, and he arose, and he asked this question to you that he asked to the rich young ruler. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? It's God's desire is for us to live a good and full life. But we have to follow him. L listen to the way Jesus says it in John 10, 10. We said earlier that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus' desire for you is that you would have a full life, a rich life, a life of abundance. See, the problem is, like in Matthew 6, 19, we put away uh, treasures uh, here on earth that will rust and that can be stolen and that can be eaten by the vermin and the moths. Yet, the gift that Jesus was given to the rich young ruler was the question that he first answered. It was a question that he first answered. How can I have eternal life? And Mark is saying it like this. Uh, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. As you interrupt Jesus today in this moment, understand that Jesus was headed to Jerusalem to answer the very question. How can I have eternal life? How can I have a full life? You, you want to know why uh, the gift of, of God is such a good gift? Because in this life, it will pass away. There's pain and there's sorrow. And it finishes. But the full life that God gives never passes away. It is eternal. It is a life to come. And Jesus invites us into that. In that life, there is no more sorrow. There is no more tears. There is no more pain. Jesus promises that we get to partake in that. But the problem is, uh, we put our trust in things and stuff and wealth. And Jesus says, it is harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone whose heart is stuck on stuff. This is what it means, right? If you heard that saying that, oh, in Jerusalem, there was a road called... Ne no, that's a lie. That's not true, actually. <laughs> what that means is Jesus is basically saying, it's like, hey... 
Oh, he's just using uh, hyperbolic language, extravagant language here, just for you to understand this. That if your heart is tied to something rather than him, your life will not be full. Here, here it is. A good life is a life that is yielded and surrendered to God. A life that is yielded and surrendered to God. I, I had the privilege today of baptizing Jason, who's been coming to a church a, a couple of times. This is the thing. He came in today and was saying, I knew God was doing something. And as somebody said, hey, there's an opportunity to, baptize, to get baptized, he just said, Maybe, I don't know. And Joel said something, and something rose up inside of him. And I preached, and something else rose up inside of him. And he decided to yield and surrender to God. And now he's participating in a good life. And here's the beautiful thing about when we participate with God. Here it is. Uh, Your life is not going to all of a sudden blow up and, and be perfect. You're not going to go to the bank and there's not going to be a million dollars waiting for you. If there is, remember, you're supposed to tithe. Uh, right? Like, I, I've been following Jesus for a long time now. And this is what I've learned. And this is what I continue to learn. That the good work that Christ has started in me, that he will see it to the finish. That, that I, am, I am not the man that I was 10 years ago now. And I will not be, by the glory of God, the Father, the man that I will be 10 years from now. That I am a work in progress. And that when we follow Jesus, when we yield to this Jesus who desperately loves us and is on his way to Jerusalem for your sin and my sin, as we interrupt him, he is willing to stop and be interrupted and ask, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to have a good life? See, Jesus is asking you in this moment, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or today is the beginning of following Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you've been uh, disillusioned with the church. Maybe you've been frustrated with the, with the way the church uh, mixes politics and all this other stuff together. Jesus says, that, that's all nonsense. This is what he says to you. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real Rest, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. You will live a good life. Just follow me. As the worship team comes up, I want to challenge somebody here today. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus. Maybe you came in here just because somebody invited you. It is not a mistake. It is not luck of the draw. Let me tell you something. God 
invited you in here. I had the awesome privilege to talk to a young lady today who said, I was just driving and something told me I needed to come in here. God has created this moment and he's willing to be interrupted on his journey. Will you answer the call? Will you answer the call? And it's simple. There's no magic trick. There's no magic words. There's no incantation that you have to do. All you have to do is say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And you will enter into a good life with Christ. So uh, in a second, I'm going to head back here. Um, we're going to baptize uh, someone. We already baptized four people this morning. If that's you, come on. And God is saying something to you in this moment. Don't second guess yourself. Get up and run to the back of the room and we're going to meet you there and we're just going to celebrate what God is doing in your life right now. Amen.